Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $50 to win $200. Just bet $50 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Hmm. Today we have a very special interview. It's Tom Garstang from History Channels Alone. Tom was a contestant on the show, went pretty far, and he joined us in studio to tell us some stories about his time. He talked preparation, the items he brought, and the reasoning behind each item, his shelter, his successes, his failures, nearly bringing home a beaver, and the fun he had. Y'all enjoy. So this is fun, man. We got another in-person guest. Me and Cowboy Reader psyched. Matt's psyched. He's a huge fan of Alone. We're all huge fans of Alone. Uh, I haven't seen all the seasons, but it's one of the most binge-worthy shows out there. And in fact, when I meet somebody that hasn't heard of Alone, I'm like, man, you you got something coming your way. Go binge all those seasons. Enjoy it. Season nine is exceptional because we got a, a Charlottesville area dude who competed for 43, 44 hard days. Uh, in Labrador, which is a place that when I go to Tanzania, by way of uh, the Netherlands, we fly right over there. And I'm always like, what the fuck is down there? Well, Tom Garstang from Earliesville, Virginia knows it well, and he's here with us today, and I'm really excited to have him in. What a streak, astronaut, survivalist, we're rolling here. Tom, how you doing, man? I'm good, man, thanks for having me out. Yeah, the uh, the it's funny you mentioned the flight path because when I saw, you know, when you watch the show and you see him zoom into Labrador and it's so dark up there and there's no cities around forever. When I saw that on the map and saw how remote where I was going was, I thought, man, this is gonna be crazy. The stars are gonna be crazy. We got the Northern Lights and they were, and it was, it was epic, but I was not prepared for how many airplanes there would be. I guess because so many commercial flights cut the corner off the globe over there. I mean, the first night out there, I'm thinking it's gonna be nothing but stars and it's just, Airplane after airplane That's after wow. airplane, but they're way up there. You can't hear them or anything, but there's just tons of them all night long. And uh, I saw Starlink when I was up there. And the trippy thing is I didn't know what it was because I'm a, I'm a caveman, like yeah. I'm living in a box out here. And I'm looking up one night and it, it showed up like it looked about a half inch long in the sky. Yeah. And my understanding after I came back was that, you know, depending on how it's rotating, you'll see dots. 
But for me, it just showed up as like a two dashed lines that were sort of oscillating across the sky. And I'm laying in the shelter like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, I've, I've looked at the sky all over, never seen anything like this. And I didn't get to find out what it was for like 40 some days. That's so good. And it's so timely because I just told a story on this pod, which is going to be humbling as fuck to tell Tom this story. But I took my family camping north of Pole Bridge, Montana, which is up way up there near Canada. Wolves, bears, like everything. Like it was it was you minus the skills plus a family and a camper. Uh, and we went to play in the river and I made the mistake. I'll, I'll take the hit even though we haven't really gotten to the bottom of this thing of losing the keys to the camper <laughs> with a window open. You know, so not only did we have to find the keys to the camper the next day, get in touch with the woman we rented it from, uh, but also deal with the bugs and, and the possibility of bears coming in looking for quesadillas after dinner. Um, and the luck that I had was our neighbor had Starlink, the only guy in the camp. This is a very rem remote campsite. And uh, I rolled up to him, I'm holding a 357. I'm wet <laughs> from wading through the river to try to find the keys. It's 10 p.m., you know, it's getting dark, that feeling. You probably don't get that feeling, I get that feeling. And I rolled up to this guy, I'm like, can you deliver a message into Polebridge tomorrow? He's like, I have Starlink. I said, what the <laughs> fuck is that, dude? <laughs> so, that, so thank you, Starlink. And uh, and I'm glad it's working up in Labrador. So Tom, like, how do you how do you actually get here? Because we were talking a little bit off off the mic about like all the different skill sets that people bring to the table. I mean, you were just talking about Terry. He was a commercial fisherman, which is a whole different kind of skill set. You know, you've got your own skill set. You have like bush bushcraft survivalists. What's the difference? And then how did you fit into that fold? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the show attracts a lot of survivalists. Um, I am very passionate and interested in that survival stuff, and I have a lot of those skills under my belt, but it's never just been a direct focus of mine. Right. Um, I'm at my core a hunter, and, and that is what I felt like my strongest suit was going in. Um, there, there have been quite a few hunters on the show, but um, while everyone on the show does hunt, I'm not, I don't think very many of them identify, you know, as, as hunting being, you know, they might have hunting in their, in their skill set for survivalism. Yeah. For me, you know, back home, I mean, I'm counting the days to every season, you know, and I'm, and I'm feeling like, you know, we're coming up to bow season now and mm -hmm. I'm like stressed out, like, you know, and, yeah. and I know that first of October, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be right again, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and, and so I really live and breathe that stuff. And, uh, I feel like if you hunt in the right way, um, it's a lot more than, than that, because in, in order to achieve the level of success that you want to, it's really just powers of observation, a ton of dirt time, spending a ton of time in the woods. Um, I mean, I go on the terrible days that nobody wants to go. I go before work and you don't have to, I'm not waiting for my day off. You know, if I, if I get 30 minutes, that's 30 more minutes, like I'm, I'm going, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that's where my, my strengths lay. And then, um, you know, just being fortunate to have traveled and, and visited and spent time with a lot of indigenous people um, growing up, following my dad with his projects with the World Wildlife Fund, you know, uh, getting to see those people and how resilient and adaptable they are and just, you know, taking a tiny fraction of that. I've always wished I could spend more time doing that, but even that little fraction, I feel like um, really set me aside a little bit from some of the other folks on the show. You made an interesting point earlier, um, and we both, I mean, you've traveled more than me with your dad's background, but we've spent a lot of time in Tanzania, 
and you know, in and out of urban areas and spending time with the Maasai, the resourcefulness is crazy, you know, um, but it doesn't just stop in the bush. It doesn't just stop out in some Maasai village, you know, in Arusha or something like that. You, you, you wander through a market or you, you, you just see the resourcefulness that people have. And you made a really interesting point about that resourcefulness. Can you expound on that? Yeah, you know, um, my, my dad always had such an admiration and respect for the, the people that had, had adapted their, their survival skills to live in the urban settings there. You know, one of the huge things, as I'm sure you, you, you'll remember from going into those cities, is, you know, the street crime, little kids, you yeah. know. And they're, they're badasses, man. They're, they're, good they're, at they're it. really good at it. Um, <laughs> you know, on the, the slightly football related story, uh, my dad was teaching for the School for Field Studies there. Um, it was a satellite campus for, an American university, I forget which one, I think I was about seven or eight years old. And um, he had all these grad students there with him for the summer. And they went into Nairobi to get supplies. And my dad always used to tell everybody like, take all your jewelry off, no earrings, no watches, like put the minimalist stuff you have in a fanny pack. Like, I don't wanna see purses, anything. I just, you know, I'm bringing 20 white people into the city Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I don't wanna attract, I don't wanna draw the heat. Yeah, you you guys look like money. Yeah, and so, um, you know, everybody would do that. Well, there was a girl who fancied herself and I guess didn't wanna take her earrings off. Dad didn't notice and she's, she's walking down the street with the earrings on and these two little kids come on either side of her and just, rip them right out of her ears and take off up the street. And, uh, but uh, one of the kids was running behind while her boyfriend was walking with her, he was visiting and he was a linebacker for Texas A&M. So the story goes, Yeah, he took off after these kids and flattened one of them on the pavement. He was a big dude, but he caught him real quick, you know, and they weren't expecting yeah. that, but he caught, he caught one of these kids and, yeah. you know, seeing this thing play out in, in the street, um, but, uh, but those kids are just so adaptable. I rem- the, another thing I remember seeing was a, a little hustle. This was actually in Cape Town in South Africa, but a guy pulled up at a, at a stop sign in a nice car with the windows down. And this one kid came up on the side of his car and just, you know, there's kids always at the lights trying to wash your windshield yeah. or anything for anything they can do for cash. This kid goes up and just spits right in this guy's face through his window. And the, and you saw the rage, just the reaction. He he just throws the door open and jumps out and runs after him. And this other little kid on the other side of the car in through the window, Banana cell phone, wallet pipe. out of the center console. Oh, man. He sees that happening, spins around, looks back at the kid he was chasing. They're both just vaporized, you know? And my dad was watching it and he points at it and he's like, that's exactly the way they kill snakes out there. Like the two of them will tag team a, a big poisonous snake, you know? Yeah. One of them will get in his face and the other one will go up behind him and grab his tail that's and amazing. whip him, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of adaptability. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that's that's in people everywhere. You know, yeah. I was thinking about it in, in you know in Charlottesville. We've got um, you've seen the rise of like the home homeless population yeah. and stuff, and the people spending for change and stuff. You know, like in a way, those people frustrate me. And in a way, I feel horrible. You know, I feel feel for them for what they're going through. Yeah. But I crossed my mind the other day after my experience and alone. I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking he's got to have some grit, man. Like he's got to have some skills and some grit just to be who he is, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, hacking through life the way he does. It's the truth. And it's like finding opportunity. Right. Probably the same thing, you know, when you're out there and you're looking for an opportunity, just a little crack, a little opening to get ahead. And I thought one thing that struck me about you is you're patient. Like you're patient right from the get-go. There were guys and gals that I've seen on alone that, you know, they'll, they'll, I gotta go do something right now, or there's a grouse, or, you know, like, let me chase this sucker, I'm gonna lose two, three arrows, or whatever. 
but like you made it a point a couple times um to note that like it's all about patience and it's all about prep and it's all about even you know figuring out what animals are doing out of season you mentioned that when you were after that beaver like can you talk about patience and what that means to you is it like a core principle for you um it's i'm not a naturally patient person it's one of the one of the things that um one of the gifts that being a hunter has given me yeah i didn't start that way yeah you know uh any i anybody that starts hunting knows like in the beginning you you rush shots you hurt animals you blow opportunities and you know whether you want to be a patient person or not you start to realize that if you're going to succeed like you just can't do that anymore and um and you know as a younger man i was pretty impatient and i also had like some anger issues and stuff and like the woods just totally took that out of me man like and it wasn't intentional it wasn't something i chose to change about myself. It's something that, that just happened by spending a ton of time. Um, you know, that beaver, man, I think about that thing all the time, like, like any good <laughs> hunter does when, yeah. when they know it. Cause I know I hit that thing, you know, um, I saw, we can't see it on the camera, but when I let, when I dropped the string on that beaver, the, the beaver went underwater and, uh, I could see the fletching on my arrow pinwheeling in the water for about maybe three quarters of a second, uh, maybe a second. And then the arrow, kind of came up and um, you know, I just, I know from the way it was moving that it was stuck in something, you know, I've right. shot, I bow fish, I shoot arrows into the water and the way that they act is different, I, you know? And so it, I think about that thing all the time and it, and it you know, I'm sure it, it just, it, I don't think it'll ever leave me, but I, and, and this is nothing against the show. They, they don't have the luxury of showing my full story I wish they showed how many times I sat for that thing and how many times it was that close and closer that I didn't drop the string on it. I mean, that morning alone, the morning I shot it, it had swum by me seven times yeah. at that distance. What had happened, and, and I learned something about beavers that day that I never knew, because I've trapped beavers before and I've hunted them with a rifle when they were being a problem on our pond here in the farm, but I've never hunted them with a bow, bow hunting, it's just not an effective way to hunt an animal that lives in the water, you know? Yeah, um, I've never seen somebody bow hunt a beaver come to think of and it. They're, <laughs> and they're tough, they're yeah. really tough critters. But um, I was sitting almost on its dam and the previous mornings it had passed me just too far out and I kept trying to get on its little travel corridor but and I was getting as close to the dam as I could thinking, you know, it'll swim by me close at one point, but the entrance to the dam was kind of out in the deep water. And uh, if I'd shot it there, what ended up happening would have happened. And I knew that, I was aware of that issue. Um, so that morning I'd cut an alder branch down because I noticed one morning I came out, there was an alder branch floating there and he seemed to like come out of the dam and see that thing and just turn right towards it. Like the real particular, it was in his in the wrong place. He went and grabbed it and he like stuffed OCD it. Like OCD animals. Yeah, he went and stuffed it in yeah. his dam. So I cut a couple of those and I tied paracord around him and I tied him to the bank and I thought like, He's going to come grab this branch and try to swim away. And then there'll be a moment where he's like tugging on this frustrated stuff and I'll shoot him then. And it, and it worked except at the, you know, their eyes sit on top of their head. So when they're swimming, they can see everything. And, you know, the general rule bow hunting is like, if you can see these critters eyes, like you can't draw. I mean, getting the draw is the hardest part of bow hunting. It's not making the shot. Right. So there were so many times I'm just seeing these beady little eyes and I'm like, there's no way. All he has to do is dip, you know, when he sees me, you know, pull back. And, uh, but he smelled me, you know, like I could see my breath, like, 
floating down onto the water. And I never thought about beavers being like deer in the way that they can smell you. So the second he sees me, he starts swimming these circles and sniffing out of the water, like with his head up. And he's swimming concentric circles and he keeps getting closer and closer to where I am. He was actually coming towards me. So at the point I shoot him on the show, I had seen him, I was watching his body language and he took one close circle right in front of me and he just turned and he was like, he was headed out, you know, yeah. like he was about to, I wasn't gonna see him again. And I, and I was hungry, man, I was really hungry. <laughs> yeah, this was like peak hunger. Yeah. You could hear it in your voice that, that episode, was at six mm -hmm. and you were, I could tell like some of the, you know, the strength left you. Yeah, you know? I noticed that too in my voice. Well, when I, I, once when you I see it, it, it's fucking, you hear it. And then they were like, Tom's lost 44 pounds. And by the way, Tom's tall. Okay, for anybody who watched alone, he walked up the stairs. We'd never met before. We got some mutual friends and he's taller than me. So, you know, much like Macon, he's, a, he's at least a half inch taller than me. So when I saw you lost 44 pounds, I'm thinking guy's 5'10", I don't know, you know? And I'm wondering what your weight was coming in. Yeah, um, so the weight gain for me was really hard. Um, I, I have a high metabolism and active lifestyle and I work on a farm and you know, it. I'm trying to gain weight going into a loan in you know, July, August in Virginia, working outside and you know, I'm tall, but I'm, I'm a real lean build. And so I walk around at about 182, 180 yeah. pounds, yeah. you know, mostly. Um, I ate everything known to man. I did research. I was, t I was doing like the protein shakes. Yeah. I was drinking olive oil. I was eating avocados, like everything I could think of. They, they tell you, you want to put on healthy fats because they stick to you longer. Right. They're like, you know, carbs will come on quick, but it'll fall off quick too. Got it. So like I was really, I did all the diet research. I looked at what some of the other people had done. I did it all. I mean, I pushed myself like, and I, and I was medicating to increase my appetite yeah. and like yeah, everything else you. that you could possibly imagine. I think I'm going on alone. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I, so I managed to gain 20 pounds before I go on the show. Yeah. But um, being that I live, somewhat isolated lifestyle. I mean, I'm not a hermit, but 2020 changed everything for everybody. And I, yeah, and I live on a farm. We were, we were coming off of that. Yeah. I'd been really isolated, hadn't been around, but a, a close few friends. Um, and when I went to the, through the airport on my way up to, to uh, Labrador, I caught a bug and I thought it was COVID because it was miserable. I hadn't been sick in a couple of years and it just, it knocked me flat oh, for like no. two weeks, dude. I lost 14 pounds of the 20 I gained and I ended up walking in Walking on to the show, the day I deployed six pounds over my normal fighting weight. That you know? is wow. brutal. Yeah, um, they say that on average the contestants through the through the history of the show have lost a pound a day yeah. if you average it out. And I just keep I, I always think about that that the two more weeks that I may have had. I mean that's not across the board. Something else could have happened too. You never know. You could go out on day three just as easy as you could on day forty three. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, yeah, I, w I wish I had a little more weight on my bones, you know? Damn. Do they, do, like, how's the onboarding? You know, like, take me from you saying, I want to be on a loan. You know, I got I to gotta chef up an audition video. I got to contact, you know, XYZ to, they don't tell you where you're going for a while and you kind of got to wonder, like, what happens from soup to nuts? Yeah, it's a wild ride. I mean, they, um, I, I don't remember exactly what the numbers are, but I think it's something like 40,000 applicants for, for season wow. nine. Um, and you kind of go through heats, you know, yeah. they, uh, they'll call you and say, you know, you're being considered. 
And, uh, you know, I don't know how big the pool is at that point, maybe 500. I don't know if I'm guessing. Um, they want a little more from you. you, you um, you'll, they'll ask you to, it, it was a little different for us because of COVID. Typically they'll, they'll ask you to demonstrate some skills and film some stuff and send it in. They're looking at, you know, um, not only your skills, but ha your personality, you know, and uh, whether you're a good fit for the show that way and uh, your camera work, stuff like that. Um, but then when you, you know, when you, when you're heading into the show, you, you know that you've been accepted, but you still don't know where you're going. They'll give you, you know, some, some rough information a little bit, enough for you to, uh, to buy your gear because you got to, you know, gear up. So they'll say, you know, like for us, they basically said, you know, you're going way up north and it's going to be, you know, wet, you know, because you, you had to make choices between whether you want down or synthetic sleeping bags or like what type of rain gear or anything like that. So they give you basic stuff, but they don't tell you until very close to before you go exactly where you're going. How many days of rainfall in Labrador? They said it on the show. I can't remember. Oh man, I don't remember, a but a couple it, hundred a year. It rains right? a lot. Yeah. Uh, were you able to triangulate based on that information where you might be? I didn't try too hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all, we all tried a little bit to figure out, you know, to give us the edge, but for me, I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with this as an, as an athlete, like it kind of, it kind of came up on me quick. And there was a point where I was like, you know, we're, we're coming in on this, it's coming in hot and I could really stress myself out trying to prepare, or I could just say, look, whatever I've done up until this point is going to have to be enough or the not be enough. And I'm gonna relax because I'd be I'd rather go in relaxed yeah. than like you know I just didn't want to burn myself out yeah. up to the last minute. I took a lot of time going into the the show to to be like you know I wanted my stress levels right you know my mind calm and regardless of my performance I got what I wanted out of that. I mean I didn't have a bad day until the day I fell the first time. I I was just having such a good time. Out yeah, there. your attitude like, was great. I don't know if that was a front. Like I was like, no, you know, man. some people I feel like they speak things into existence. Mm -hmm. You know, the one guy who got Giardia Benji. from the beaver, he got mm -hmm. the beaver fever, which mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't know they called it that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> different thing. <laughs> yeah, right? Different kind of beaver fever. <laughs> uh, but uh, this guy, he was so like, he was so overtly positive and like mm -hmm. kind of, it almost felt like self-talk. And I know that's a strategy. You mm -hmm. have to like, that's the company you keep is you. Yeah, uh, you, you so. know, um, I, it's so unfortunate that that the show didn't have enough time for everybody to really get to know Benji. That dude's an incredible guy. Yeah, um, competitive weightlifter. I think he went to nationals for it or something. Um, you would never guess looking at him. Um, just soft spoken, really knowledgeable in the woods, and he's he's also like a lunatic. He's out in Idaho. He's a goat packing guide and stuff. Like he takes people elk hunting and packs stuff out on goats and. Just an incredible dude, man. He, you know, I he was in my top three to win it. Really? Yeah. Just meeting everybody at boot camp and this everything and yeah. seeing yeah. seeing how they were. Like yeah. well, you know, you're all kind of sizing up the competition and you're like, man, I wonder about this guy and this guy. And Benji just like, man, he 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 knew he had the knowledge, he had the skills, he had the grit for sure. Yeah. He just got really unlucky, man. Yeah, and I don't know who won. I like Adam. I think, you know, like if you sailed across the Pacific Ocean, you're kind of fucking crazy <laughs> and you're fearless and all that stuff. And I loved his shelter. So I was like, okay, like some things are going well. Then he got sick and actually got over it. So I was like, okay. Uh, I also love one of my favorite characters, Juan Pablo. 
I mean, the guy is incredible. He made a chimney out of cans. He made a dock. He made, and you're very resourceful. We'll get to that. But like, he was an absolute stud out there. And then the 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 funniest part of the show, and I was sitting here watching it, was he was drinking out of the river, and and uh, he was going to take a sip. And I don't mean anything by this, but I was like, he's from Mexico. Yeah, I was oh, like, yeah. he's not worried about oh, he gut bacteria, that. and he said it five seconds <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah. He was like, I'm from Mexico, like, I'm not worried about this. A lot of people boil water, but my gut's pretty solid. So it was really cool, just like, there seemed like some really cool people, and I wonder how well you got to know them before you go out. Man, the best part about going on the show is I feel like, I feel like the History Channel sorted through 40,000 people and gave me nine best friends or just like That's awesome cool. people. Like, you know, that, that, that I'll, I'll, is my huge prize. But yeah, JP, man, he, he's a nut. I remember he, he gained a ton of weight for the show. Like I saw him virtually, we did boot camp. virtually yeah. we're interviewed. I see him on the screen, you know, and I, I knew he had skills and everything, but he looked kind of like me, you know, yeah. and then I see him get off the plane and I'm like, good grief, man. He, he gained like 60 pounds or something. Well, he had one of those camelback bag things full of powdered milk he was drinking on that <laughs> no he and did not that, put yeah, milk dude, in he a did. And, he was, and he was putting them down and, and I, I that's exactly where your head's going i look at him and i'm i i don't know him that well at this point i'm like man how in the hell do you clean that thing like and he just looked at me and shook his head he was like it's not clean <laughs> and i was like man and that's when i started worrying about him i was hey, like man this dude is that like guy's a legend he walked into the woods and was like this fucking shit sucks he started being all negative and i was like i like this guy you know because i'm a little negative and he's like no it's good to be negative because you don't want to disappoint yourself and i was like oh my god this yeah. guy's me oh yeah <laughs> But so you do get to know him, like you oh, guys yeah. actually yeah, we like quite a bit up. of time together. Yeah, yeah. And who were who else was in your top three people to win it? You had Benji. I had Benji. Um, well, I mean, I don't know that I was thinking about it really as rankings. I, I tried not to focus on. I, I know this sounds funny, especially to people that are going to be competitive. I was trying not to think about it like a contest. Yeah. I, it's not that I, I didn't recognize that it was. I just didn't want that to get in my head. Yeah. I just thought I'm gonna try to imagine it like I'm just out here and this is just life from now on. And I'm not worrying about the position or the number right. of days. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go hand to mouth. I'm gonna go one day at a time. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I knew I needed a little bit of luck because of my build. I was really hoping to take a big game animal, um, and I thought that I had some of the highest odds in the group of doing that. Um, Benji and I, are, I think, were the two most experienced bow hunters on the show. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I thought bears in season. Yeah. You know, bears are going to be coming around my house. I was like, I know I'm going to have fish and stuff. But yeah. so, you know, to answer your question, that that I was I, I didn't think about who was going to win so much as I was just saw people that stood out to me as yeah. Who were you impressed by? Yeah, I was I was very impressed by Juan Pablo just from his background and I mean he'd already done a hundred days or something I can't remember what um, solo for no reason In ice fishing mm -hmm. camp or something yeah. some crazy um, shit yeah Benji re really really impressed me Carrie Lee seemed really impressive to me from like a, I don't know where she went beyond you know episode five or six or maybe I missed that she tapped out and she she goes far. Yeah. Her attitude was like, you know when people start singing and like dancing for the camera, you're like, okay, they're getting loopy. Like, I feel like you're starting to like get a little bit like, but she was doing it like the whole time. <laughs> like she was just in her zone. She was super happy to be out there. So she impressed me too, just from a mentality standpoint. But everybody was just so like, you don't get there by not being impressive. No, and I vastly underestimated Carrie Lee. 
You know, yeah. it wasn't that I did. It was she. It was clear that she had skills beyond skills. Yeah. I just. Uh, I think I was looking at the wrong things. You know, I. I. I was weighing. I wasn't putting enough weight in that positive attitude and that knowledge bank and yeah. just that experience, that that dirt time. It's almost you know 60. I mean? Yeah, dude, and she's tough. Which is a whole nother level, mm -hmm. like the physical toll of that thing is crazy. She's from Sandpoint. Jake the Sand Snake. Sandpoint, yeah, Sandpoint. Jake Plummer's up there. Yeah, shout out to Jake, Mushroom Farm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I confused her just being really happy and like, yeah. and, and, and relaxed <laughs> as her not taking it seriously. And, and now, you know, getting to know her before the show and then watching her experience on the show, I'm like, oh no, that's just her. That's who she is. And she's been doing this yeah. for a long time, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, everybody on this show seemed to have hardship, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't want to deem anything that you went through a hardship, but you alluded to you had some stuff, you sure. know, some, you know, stuff growing up that you had to deal with. Do you think that's what drives people to the woods or? Is it just more a look into that, like you get to know anybody enough, they all have hardship because I feel like the woods were therapeutic to certain people throughout their journey. Yeah, the, the woods have always been like my church, you know, yeah. um, where, I, where I go to feel closer to bigger things. But um, also, you know, something that I don't know if, if you can relate to, you know, having a, having a, a big shadow to stand yeah. in. Yeah. My old man was like Crocodile Dundee, man. He was yeah. a badass. And, uh, you know, he wasn't around that much. He, we spent a lot of time together in the field, but my parents were divorced and he was always traveling for work. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time around him. Yeah. And then when I did get to spend time around him, it was in these like survival arenas and like, I just want to make him proud. So I was like, I probably tried way harder, you know, with woodsy outdoorsy stuff. Like, yeah. and my old man was kind of a sincere dude. Um, he was very, um, you know, he had a lot of depth, but he was just, he, he wasn't much to crack a joke or anything. And, you know, he was very, very much perfectionist. And, you know, I felt like he was always looking at me and, and that was a big part of it, you know, yeah. just trying to, trying to impress him, you know, yeah. like in that arena. I think you'd be impressed. I, 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 I think so too, you yeah. know, I really do. Yeah, but that was cool. It was a cool share. Cause yeah. you're like, that's vulnerable shit. But you were like, hey, I grew up with XYZ challenges. And I thought a lot of the people on the show sharing that stuff really like, you know, kind of maybe instructed how they they might have gotten into this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. Um, I was it's surprised. Just, the stories how, are incredible. I was surprised at how many, like you know, like like myself, like mama's boys that were on the show. Like yeah. everybody always, but like I mean, I think it makes you tough in a way. Yeah. Like when you're younger, you know, like yeah. if if the, if your dad isn't around, you got to yeah. be the old man of the house or no whatever, question. you know. But uh, yeah, it was a kind of a running trend. I was talking to a couple of the guys, and I'm like, oh, it was very similar sort of yeah. upbringings, uh, yeah. very similar family situations and things going on. But yeah, everybody on the show, man, all just uh, absolute unicorns, you know? Yeah, and I can relate to the shadow thing for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough deal. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Even you, with all your accomplishments, you're probably measuring them mm -hmm. instead of just being like, I'm on fucking alone. I'm 44 <laughs> days in the wood, like... Like there are d less than a hundred people in the world that could pull this off. I don't know what the number would be, but like that's incredible. So, uh, the the animals, man. Okay, like, do you know going in? Because it felt like everybody started to get a beaver the same time. Hmm. Was that a time of year thing, or was that just like a hey, we've gotten our shelter now, we can go out and look for bigger game? It, I, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody else's experience, but it does take a little while to sort of get your bearings on your zone. Yeah. So, you know, they drop you off, they give you a, a rough idea of, of where your area extends to and from. They don't describe landmarks, you don't get a map or anything. Yeah. But they tell you basically, for me, you know, they choppered me in 
and then dropped me off on and I went downriver on a boat and then they stop, you know, they pull over at the bank and they're like, look, you know, that gravel wash we passed back there is as far upstream as you can go. And you got about a, a half mile downstream and then it goes inland for a ways. That's literally so you what have said. A, you have wow. a, a, they tell you you can't go. Cause I was wondering, yeah. can you guys run into each other in any capacity? Like, no, no, yeah. there's no, you're not going to run into another contestant. You're not going to see another contestant. You have your zone there. I feel like they're, they're very fair and generous with the zones that, you know, um, and, uh, and you know we all have to be close because they have to be able to get to you if something's wrong something right. comes up medically so you know it looked like 45 minutes on this season to get a boat to wherever somebody was like somebody tapped at 6:45 a boat's there at like 7:45 or something is it like kind of an hour wait when you tapped as as a you know speeding ahead for a second you know i'm sure that's case by case with them uh, i know I, I know a lot of times that you know they're looking out for the 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 livelihood of of the crew as well you know yeah. any rescue situation is is um a risk to the people doing it as right. well so i think that they for the most part they assess i know that they would do everything in their power to be there absolutely immediately right. if need be right in my situation i didn't need to be medically extracted immediately i just knew that i couldn't continue the race right, right. you know so um so you know they they had a couple of things to do they stepped by and got me you know that and and that's and that's how that worked um did you did you like your zone i didn't have anything to compare it to man i mean honestly yeah right that's the weird I thing i do remember yeah. i do remember um saying when i got off at at the sort of the base camp and looking you know that there was a there's basically a dark side of the river and a sunny side of the river based on the exposure you're so far north and i do remember um hoping that I would not be on the dark side of the river and I was. Yeah. Um, but uh but it's like a triple blind thing that they do to select the zones and you know there's 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 a lot of skepticism online about this stuff. Like it is the fairest affair. Yeah. They do such a great job yeah. of like, you know, making it um uh at the end of the day there's different luck. But yeah, I like my I, I mean the the woods were amazing, man. I mean it's not at all like what you would think. So it's it's boreal rainforest even though it's so far north and you're somewhat coastal. I mean, we weren't very far from the coast at all. So you're getting, that worked in our favor because it was a little bit warmer than some of the other seasons of alone. You get those right. ocean currents coming up, bringing, it brings the rain, but it's, you're not getting the, the dry freezing cold temperatures. Um, but you could tell the area was just mostly evergreen forest and you could tell it just got catastrophically hammered by ice every year and snow because those trees load up and so i mean it would have been if you walked from one end of the studio to the other you'd have climbed over three or four dead trees right. the entire way right you know like uh, everywhere you're going so it gets really i mean you're doing these crazy leg lifts and climbs and everything just to go from point a to point b you and said then, your legs were getting jacked. Yeah, man. I mean, and if you go, you go cut down a, 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 a twenty foot tall, you know, skinny tree like this for firewood, and then try dragging that thing through all that brush back to your shelter, you know, or it's not easy. I mean, it just wears you out in a different way. So I wasn't prepared for how dense it was. Yeah, that was also kind of cool. I think it it gave you an, a little bit of an advantage hunting. Um, small game at least, because small game tends to kind of just hunker down. Yeah. And a lot of times they wouldn't see you until you right. kind of were right on top of them. But scary for the big game, right? I mean, like, I don't know how much they played up the the polar bear thing. Is that played up or they really kind of, 
I can't speak to that. Yeah, because um, you didn't see one, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I can't speak to that. I know that I know that you know it's definitely true that there are polar bears in that area at times of year. You know, I I didn't feel looking at the environment. I didn't feel like there was a chance that I was going to see one. Right. But uh, but I mean, historically they've known they've been known to be in that area. So what's your what's your stance on black bear in Virginia and in Labrador because. We have this thing where I kind of have this bit where I'm like, I'm not afraid of black bear, like whatever, but I know they can fuck me up. But they say up in Labrador, they act like grizzlies. They they, they show a, a few more tendencies to be like more food aggressive and to be a little bit more predatory. You yeah. know, down here, you know, they're they're more apt to be in your, your berry patch or your garbage can yeah. than, you know, going after your livestock or you or anything else. Um, they want my Dr. Ho's pizza. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have a lot of experience dealing with large predators. Yeah. Um, and I feel like every one of those encounters has to be taken seriously. Yeah. But I mean, I honestly was more afraid of running into a moose in the really thick brush. Cause we, I knew I was gonna be up there in the, in the season when they were gonna rut. And you know, down by the river, it gets really thick. And I know that there can be really aggressive and really dangerous. And, you know, I kind of thought like, with a predator, you can negotiate. All you have to do is make him think he can't take you. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But a prey animal that gets aggressive is fighting for its life. You know, it's not, you can, all you have to do is convince a bear or something else that there's something out there easier that it can eat. Right. It's not gonna be you. Right. But you startle an animal that thinks you're trying to kill it and it's aggressive, big What's difference. One of the most deadly animals in Tanzania is, uh, what is it, the, the, the buffalo. Yeah, yeah the buffalo. hippo and, and as the hippo, well. Both, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah. yeah, like they're, they're cornered, you come Super. out of the, the bush and you don't even see it there. Yeah. All of a sudden you're flattened. Yeah, you. I mean, something that's coming after you is like thinking about food, you can scare it. Something you've already freaked out, you know, is-, yeah. is I gotta get out of here. That button's already pushed, yeah. yeah. So I was really worried about moose. Uh, I was banking on black bear. I mean, I was doing all the things they tell you not to do. I was right. storing food in my shelter. I was cooking food in my camp. You want that thing uh, in? Yeah, heck yeah, man. I thought it was my best odds of sticking an arrow in one. And not too early? Because dudes were talking about if you hit one too early, you got to worry about the meat because it's warmer, harder to harvest that. I was worried about that. Um, and, I, and I think I spoke about it too. I can't remember if they aired it. Like, um, yeah, I was worried because we didn't have the temperature to right. keep it. Um, but there's a small window because the second you start getting those temps where you can keep them, that's when yeah. they're going to go hibernate yeah. you know, and you're not going to see them anymore. So I thought, you know, if one comes around and it's too early, I can scare it off. It'll probably come back if it wants my food, you know. Yeah. Um, and I saw some sign, but I just never saw, never saw or heard a bear or, you know, anything, anything like that. The, the black bear density up there is super high. So it really surprised me, but I was kind of hoping one would come, come into the camp. Football season brings back many traditions we know and love. Touchdown dances, pick sixes, strip sacks, game-winning sacks, tackles, hitting the quarterback, and watching it all with friends in a cooler Miller Lite. The action on the field is reliable year after year. Pair it with the most reliable light beer, Miller Lite. My perfect Miller Lite situation, the air's crisp, the leaves are turning, I got a cooler full of Miller Lights. It's just warm enough to sit outside, maybe an outdoor TV. And I got about 12 to 16 of those bad boys in my cooler. <laughs> and I have three friends over because I'm drinking responsibly. Miller Lite is the perfect beer for football Sundays because of the dependable taste. Your friends love it. It's got low calories and carbs. 
and it's just a sleek, beautiful can. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been a mainstay in the stadium, at the tailgate, and in your fridge. No matter how your team plays, Miller Lite always provides a winning experience. With only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce serving, your only concern is the next third down conversion, and Miller Lite tastes like beer. Because if you're a beer lover, you don't want watered-down flavor. You want the original light beer. Football season brings back the big hits, so reach for the biggest of them all, Miller Lite. You can find Miller Lite pretty much everywhere beer sold, or go to MillerLite.com Greenlight for delivery options near you. It's Miller Time, official beer partner of the Greenlight Podcast. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Roback Activewear. Best way to describe Roback is best fit, best feel. When it comes to quality, Roback just blows it out of the park every time. First, Roback's new performance hoodies are a total game changer. Maybe the softest, stretchiest hoodies in the game. From college athletes to professionals to podcasters like me. People can't take them off. The best thing about wearing a Roback hoodie is when, when you see somebody else wearing it, you give them that nod because they know and you know. We get it. We're Roback guys. Second, Roback's performance polos are the only polos we wear. Even if you're not a polo guy, these polos are perfect for a night out or a day on the links with the boys. Their prints are cool too. Third, Roback's performance Q-zips bring a new meaning to the word comfortable. Perfect for a run around the block or a day in the office. They are the definition of versatile. Best part is NFL guys are rocking them all over the league. You know, you got guys like Quentin Nelson wearing them. We got our guy, friend of the program, Sam Hubbard wearing them. It's fair to say they're taking over. Now Alabama stud Will Anderson is the newest sponsored athlete. That's big news. Ryan McGee is the best player in the country. Might be the Heisman Trophy winner. And Chris, for those folks that want to jump on the Roback train, use the code GREENLIGHT on Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off your first order on all polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with the code GREENLIGHT. Go check them out at Roback.com. If you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, $200, 200 big ones on a $50 bet. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down. Don't pass that up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. What do you think the traffic level in that area is like? You know, there were cans. I mean... Juan Pablo found some cans. Like, is it just commercial fishermen come through there every once in a while or gets hunted every once in a while? Or is it like, when's the last time you think there were 10 people walking through there? It's pretty remote. Um, it's a, you know, that, that river is yeah. a big fly fishing river. That's what I was curious about. Um, but it's still, there's no roads going up there. Yeah. You got to go in, you know, by sailplane or chopper. So um, I, th- I would say that uh, it would be, I'd say it'd be, you know, pretty sparsely fished, you know? 
That's what I was wondering, because when you drop a fly in there, are you thinking these fish have never seen a fly? Man, you know, those, those fish, I, I, I trout fish here and you know, I, I'm really happy if I come home with one or two, the 12 inch trout, those, I caught a brook trout up there, it was 30 inches long, Beautiful. man. Like, you know, they weigh them in pounds up there, they don't measure them in inches, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and those things were not fly shy. I, I mean, I don't know if it's just the time of year or where I was, but you know, fishing with a stick and a string and I'm trying to make it work, you know, wishing I had a reel. And up here, it's like, if you make a couple wrong casts, the whole pool shuts down for a little while, you know, there I'm like smacking them on the head with the thing over and over again until they just get mad enough to bite it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, that was incredible. It was a totally different experience. That's wild. That's okay. wild. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering, cause yeah, like you had a really, really brilliant trick with your hair. So Tom dyed his hair green in spots. They, they, so I'm watching alone. I might've looked down. All of a sudden I see Tom on screen and he's showing us his green hair. I'm like, what the fuck's Tom got going on his hair? And then he's like, this is why. And almost, uh, and almost it, your 11th item. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So dyes his hair green a little bit, cutting his hair to make a, a fly out of that thing. And then there was some pink in the back that faded. I had some, yeah, I had some yellow and some pink um, that uh, that just totally uh, faded out. I, I'm not great at dyeing hair. I know it's a shocker, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you can't admit it, everything. Um, that was a curveball. I, was like, <laughs> I didn't know he had a streak of green in his hair. He didn't seem like a dude from Earliesville that lives on a farm. But yeah, no, it worked out, right? No, yeah, actually, um, I, I, I shouldn't, my, my, my girlfriend dyed the hair for me and she did a great job. I think it's just, you know, I live in a ball cap and I sweated out those lighter colors yeah. and just going up there, you know. Um, the green the green did stick around though. Um, so the colors I'd selected were the, the colors of the, of the rainbow trout and the brook trout um, fry that I thought would be in there. I was like, oh, I'm gonna make this like little streamer, yeah. this little minnow lure. It's gonna look like this thing. I had some squirrel hair in there and stuff too. But did it, that just come to you or did somebody suggest that? Or was that like, what's the process of trying to game your items? Um, man, you know, that was really hard because we not being quite sure where we're going exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and me being a little bit more of a Southern boy, I mean, even all my traveling has mostly been in the Southern hemisphere. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure, um, what it was going to be like in that environment, what I was going to need. I got a ton of help. There's, there's a, um, yeah. a guy called Matty Clark from Scott Outdoors. He was, he's from Newfoundland. Um, and he lives up there, his content's awesome. And uh, and he and I become friends. He gave me a lot of advice about, about the woods up there. And it is so different. You know, like I wasn't gonna bring an ax. And he was like, dude, nobody goes anywhere in Canada without an ax, like in my part of the world. And I just hadn't thought about the importance of it, you know, when stuff freezes and, and you really need to like break through ice for water or you need yeah. to chop stuff down. It's just, you know, the saw became so energy intensive, you know, right. like um, you, it's, you're cracking yourself up because you're, you're like, you're trying to saw through, through something the size of your forearm. Right. And you're, you're like, I'm gonna take a break. You know, yeah. you just, you never f having felt that much drain, that much And that's one post or like yeah. one mic. Yeah, oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, a 15 foot tall tree of that spruce, you cut it up, it turns into an armload of firewood. You know, even in that little stove, which was more efficient than a fire pit that I built, um, you're looking at like, you know, a couple hours of fire, if that, and yeah. it's got to go get another one, you know, yeah. if, if you try to stockpile it and I did have some, but you know, um, it just time management was the biggest challenge. It took forever to do everything right? because you know, you might decide, oh, I'm going to go get firewood and then you see a grouse 
and you follow it up a hill and maybe you get it, maybe you don't, but either way you take like an hour detour, you know, and then come well, back. It's an and, hour back. Yeah. It's an hour back or, you know, um, it, yeah, time management was definitely a struggle. Was there, was there an 11th item that almost made the list or you were you, afterwards you were like, man, I wish I had that, that, that last item. You know, um, some folks brought a food ration. <laughs> I, I highly considered that. Um, I elected not to. If I could do it again, I can tell you I wouldn't have brought paracord. Okay. Um, the spruce roots up there were amazing. I mean, you could you could take the roots of those spruce trees and tie them in knots. Like most roots or vines would break. Those things were like zip ties, man. They oh, were like yeah. cables. Wow. They were amazing. I barely used my paracord. Okay. So paracord um, might have been out. So I would I might have might have dropped the paracord and and picked up either either a tarp, an extra tarp, or a uh, food ration. Was there another contestant that had an item that you were like, wow, I I didn't even think to bring that? I saw some good ingenuity that, I mean, Juan Pablo was great with some of that stuff, like both Juan Pablo and Adam, yeah. um, and Adam, you know, he, he's become a close friend. He was just here turkey hunting with me, uh, and, you know, he's, and he comes, he comes through here shearing alpaca, so he was oh, visiting, cool. yeah. but he was incredibly resourceful. I mean, that tarp, he didn't bring cordage, he made it out of the tarp, yeah. um, strips out of the tarp, and then was able to make windows and things like that. Um, Juan Pablo's waders that he made himself that were clear, and, and then also had that fire fire resistant material on it. I mean, I thought that that was really ingenious. As far as items though, that, that folks had that I didn't have, I think, you know, for the most part, I would have stuck with my, my gear list, you know? You had a mushroom lamp. Yeah. That was the coolest thing the whole show pretty much. <laughs> That's what, that no, was really cool. Even though you're living clean out there, you still get stoner ideas if you come from yeah, you that do. kind of. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, so that, that, that's, that's a good one. What did you miss the most besides people? Um, man, you know, besides people, there wasn't a lot that I missed, man. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't. Like, yeah. I didn't miss, I didn't. And, and when I say I miss people, what, what I think I really miss is even though I love, you know, I don't have any problem being in the woods by myself, like sharing the experience makes it so much richer. Like, yeah. you know, just having somebody to tap on the shoulder and be like, holy crap, did you just see that? Like one of the days I was down on my beach fishing, um, the trout were spawning and all of a sudden there's like this huge commotion in the water. I look over, the water's all frothy and red. And it's like a freaking shark attack. And it was these big harbor seals just blowing up these trout right in the shallow water. Like they'd come up river, up river from the ocean yeah. and we're just slamming these trout in super shallow water and making this commotion. And like, I put the fishing rod down and just sat down and watched it. Like, um, and it was just carnage along this bank for maybe seven minutes and then they were gone. And, uh, you know, I didn't get it on camera and nobody else saw it. So, you know, I'm the only one that I, the, somebody else yeah. that you can have a beer with yeah. later and talk about it or tell the story like yeah. that's really hard so i missed that but i'm, I'm sure if i think they look delicious too i know trout? you couldn't know the the harbor seals oh yeah <laughs> if you're 40 days in <laughs> yeah oh man fuck up a harbor seal if it wasn't for the regulations yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah a ton of fat on those critters yeah um but you know i missed that and i missed i missed my dog you know i missed yeah. i missed my farm my yeah. neck of the woods yeah. um yeah but i mean uh, overall you know, I could, I could go without the rest. How about mental health, the way this plays into it? Like you said, you wanted to be stress-free coming in, you know, like I'm sure, you know, people talk about drop shock. Mm -hmm. Like I know some people struggle being alone, mm -hmm. even if you have all the survival skills in the world. How did that weigh in? And like, were you able to kind of take inventory of that as it went on? I think I'm, I think I'm fortunate just to be 
to really love doing stuff like that. Yeah. Because uh, the, just be, a lot of the people that have gone on the show and done, and some of them have even done really well, I think they have the skills and they're really prepared. But I don't know that they necessarily enjoy it maybe as much as some of the other contestants and myself. Like, yeah. um, you know, Carrie Lee's a great example of that. You can tell she's just having the time of her life out there. Wouldn't rather be anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, you go back in, into some of the shows and you see some people some people really battling it out. They got a ton of grit, but I don't know if they're having such a great time, you know, and, and that might just be, you know, what happens to them along the way. But for me, I was in a great place, like mentally. Um, I feel like I'm the type of person that needs a lot of time um, to sort of process thoughts and think things through. And, and that's a hard thing to get in today's day and age. Yeah. I mean, even if, um, just factoring in the amount of times that your phone interrupts your thought process, you know? Oh, yeah. Every time it dings, you you just answer, you come right to it, you know? And I do that all the time and I'm not even a big phone guy. Yeah. Like not having that, when you don't have something that'll interject and interrupt your thought process, you might you might think about something for two days. Well, it changes, I feel thing, like it's gotta you know? change your, your brain chemistry a little bit, being mm -hmm. alone for 43, 44 days or 100 days, you know, cause I can tell you, you put the phone down for a day, like a day, and just be present, it's like restorative in a way. Yeah. So you're crushing yourself out there, but there's probably also a restorative uh, kind of angle to like being alone for 43, 40 days. Do you feel like you've changed? Like- 100%. Yeah, yeah man, like fundamentally. Big time. Big time. And, and some of it hasn't all been great. Some really? of it's been hard. I feel like, um, you know, and. It, it's hard to explain. It, it's not like I was out there so long that I forgot how to do anything so much as I think it changed my priorities. Like I've lost a few social skills. I've lost my threshold for bullshit. Yeah. And like when I, especially when I first came back, yeah. like I'd be seeing people and talking and like they'd start <laughs> talking about shit. And I like, I'm fighting the urge to be like, I don't care about what you're talking <laughs> you're about. Trying. Like I'm going to walk away from you. And then, and then you feel terrible because you feel like a terrible person yeah. or like whatever, yeah. but you just, it, it reprioritized things and, and especially time. And then I'm like, man, you know, I mean, how much time do I really have? Like I could just stop this conversation. Like I could yeah. just walk away. You do, you get pressured to not yeah. do that stuff. You get pressured to interact on ways that you're not, you know, necessarily agreeing to yeah. in the normal world. You do it at work, you do it all the time socially. And it's like, no, I don't have to do this. Like, Well, that's the thing. It's like you get exposed to something. You're like, this is actually how maybe not in Labrador with 10 items, but like this is how we're biologically hardwired to be. Yeah, man. Not like we are now. Yeah, I think that's super important. I think, and I think it's people misdiagnose that as problems all the time. Yeah. I mean, people take things like, like ADHD, like yeah. ADHD back in the day yeah. is a survival skill, dude. Mm -hmm. Like if you, it, like that, like, help you with, oh, look, a mushroom, it's out over there. Like it'll whatever, help you start like, a podcast. That dude's not getting eaten, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. who's not focused in on one thing. It like, you know, like that dude is not gonna get ambushed by, by a saber tooth tiger, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, and I feel the same way about, uh, about depression, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like depression is like, your, 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 your body and mind screaming at you that you need to be doing more shit mm -hmm. and like having a more, yeah. having a more challenging life, not necessarily fulfilling. Like if you just don't encounter challenges, like your brain is hardwired to overcome challenges. Like atrophy. Yeah. It's yeah. like the way your body atrophies in the woods where you're not eating enough and you're at a deficit. Same thing if you're just sitting around collecting dust mentally. Yeah, man. That's a great way to put you it. Know. Atrophy.
yeah, that mental atrophy. But like, I, I do think, you know, like if people had the skills to do it, it could be good for them to go do something like mm-hmm. this, you know? And I know that like through the frame, the framing of like social skills and all this stuff, like you're like, man, it kind of made me worse because I don't listen to bullshit. I'm like, you just said a, like, <laughs> you just said it. Like you don't listen to bullshit. You don't have time to, to dwell on unimportant stuff. Yeah, it, it just it, it's tough because when you when you stop playing the game, you start to feel like you're a little bit selfish. And I mean, it, yeah. you'd be surprised how fast it fades too. Like I'm already better at it again. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah. already I'm already sliding back in and reconditioning. I just felt like immediately coming out. Like, you know, it gave you this very liberating feeling where, like, I was thinking to myself, I mean, you know, because I'm disorganized and everything, my backpack from alone with a lot of my gear and it's still sitting by the door in my that cabin. Is like, hear, <laughs> I could dude. pick that thing up and just leave. You know, the, the like, guy, <laughs> like one of the most impressive survivalists in the world. <laughs> is uh, he, he gets home from alone and he doesn't unpack. This is the same thing that happened to me coming home from the beach. You know, my bag's still in the hallway. So yeah, it's dude. like, this is good. This is relatable shit. People are going to be excited to hear this. Oh, you don't want to see my truck, dude. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, I went to the well, beach three weeks ago. You're and a guy I've with got, a truck. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we were talking about animals and a little bit of the mental health thing. Like I thought Jacques was going through some shit, dude, because I know you guys are all prepared to kill. And I know it's also hard because you guys are also like very... Like everybody on the show was like, I'm sorry to kill you. Like, yeah. thank you. Like, I know that's part of the ethos of being somebody with serious skills, right? But Jacques kind of struggled when he killed that squirrel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, he's going to talk himself into tapping. Yeah. And it happened. And like, I wonder how you felt when you went back and saw that. Did you empathize with that? Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, like Jacques, uh, you know, has, has caught a lot of shit, but he was super qualified to be there at for a man as young as he, one of the youngest contestants ever on the show, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, 23 or something. Honestly, 23. one of the, like, super qualified. The stuff that dude has done and mm-hmm. does with his life is amazing. Um, and you just couldn't ask for a nicer dude, too. But, uh, you know, I don't know what his experience was there um, and, and where he got mentally. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like and I haven't had a chance to catch up with him since. I feel like he honestly, he he got what he came for. What he came for. And, yeah. and you know, Jacques is somebody who ha- has already had such an incredible life and is very young and is, I'm sure, moving on to do other things. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people look at alone, like, how'd you mess that opportunity up? You know, it's the be all end all of it. For, for a lot of these people, it's just a chapter of a really rich and incredible life. Yeah. And if he got, if he came out there and got what he wanted and wanted to go, like, Whatever, man. Well, y'all you know? seem like the types that you realize because of your experience and what you value, that you have your values in the right place. And money plays into that factor, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to survive. Sure. It's, it's an element of survival. Yep. Right? But if you come away from it and you're like, I don't get the 500000 that would have been really fucking nice, but I got what I wanted, mm-hmm. which was something impactful, something where I learned something about myself. Yeah, you know, like that was something that if I felt like you heard every time somebody tapped out, for the most part, was like, "Hey, I got what I came for. I'm proud of myself." You know, for me, you know, my tap out was so interesting because the injuries themselves were relatively minor. You know, it ended up what it ended up being was a like a pinched nerve in my back yeah. and a minor muscle tear in my knee. Right. You know, at post coming out, that's what it was diagnosed at. You know, unfortunately, when you're playing at that level, that's all it takes to take yeah. you out. But um, I felt like it was like, I felt like I was playing blackjack and it's like, 
I could ask him to hit me again. You know what I mean? But like, if I leave now, I get what I what I have sitting right here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and and if I push a little bit more, I might leave with a deficit. Like, mm -hmm. I might leave with a, a lifelong injury. I'd fallen three times in forty eight hours. Like, yeah. I was imagining what happens if I fall and I can't call for and you help. You drop your thing, you know, or I hit my head. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. on that rocky beach, man. I felt that the, the fall that was off camera was on that rocky beach, and like. You know, it just take one of those stones to just dome you. You know, and and there, you know, you have a morning and evening check in, sure. But like, if if I was fishing at noon, I'd be bleeding out of my head for six hours before yeah. they even came looking. Some could find you. Yeah, and and yeah, man. So I I thought about like, man, I got the rest of deer season. I'll, I'll catch the tail end of rifle <laughs> yeah. season. I'll be like, season. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be like, I live an incredible life. Yeah. I'm lucky to live a really beautiful life. Like. And you know, there's also the the pragmatist in you, the realist that's going, man. There's a bunch of badasses out here, and it's day 42. The yeah. day I decided, you know, 43. I'm coming in. I'm I, I come out on 43. Sitting there, I'm like, it's day 43 now. I bet I could go another 10 days. Historically, that's not going to win that's me a show. It. And there's no prize. There's no bigger prize for like third over fourth yeah. or fourth over fifth. So. Yeah. To me, I was like, you know, let me take home a really good experience. Let me let me be able to sit here and tell you boys honestly that I didn't have a bad day until the last day. Yeah. Instead of laying in my shelter with these injuries for another five days, still not winning, yeah. and coming home so messed up that I couldn't go hunting. I came home. I was with. I was in a tree stand within twelve hours of being in Virginia, and I dropped an <laughs> eight point buck that morning at sunup. And I called my buddy, and I was like, "I have been back in Virginia for twelve hours. I'm cutting a deer up right now." Boy, you felt good. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Everything was good. I, well, I felt primed, dude. I was coming in from Labrador. I was yeah. like dialed, dude. Yeah, it makes like, everything seem easy for a while. Yeah, for a while. You know, like we'll do. Uh, and this sounds like child's play to you, but we'll do Killy and we'll be out for eight days or seven days or whatever. And you know, like when I get home, I'm very appreciative of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very appreciative of like a shower. I'm very appreciative of, of shelter. I'm very appreciative of like my family, you know, uh, air conditioning, heat. Like when you, when you do something like you're doing, that's a whole nother level of appreciation for just the, like the, the, the stuff. We're so soft. Yeah, man. Not yeah. you, but like no, we no, at large. We, we all are though, man. We're honestly. just like we're like from what we started out as, as like hunter gatherers, like we are just Oh, I kept thinking that the whole time I was out there. I was like, man, there's like there's some dude with a bone through his nose somewhere that would come out here and crush just everybody. Destroy you it. know? Like he, he just destroy <laughs> like, it, dude. Yeah, I mean, and and that's where we all come from. That is every single person's history if yes. you go far enough back you know um yeah. and uh but you know i felt like i got really robbed of i thought that that first shower was going to be amazing and i'd lost so much weight dude it was one of the most terrible experiences really? you go to wash yourself and you're getting and grossed you're feeling, out about like you're <laughs> touching all your bones and, like, yeah. and like the water felt like really weird that the, the the amount of heat that you're feeling i mean you haven't felt that amount of heat the entire time you've been out there. Now it wasn't brutally cold for us while we were out there, but you, you know you also haven't had any like you know proper warmth. You sit by those little fires and stuff. You don't. You'll you're not building more. a fire. It's not energy efficient to build a fire that will warm you. You right. know that's that's not the purpose. Of, you know, building fires for cooking and for boiling water is pretty yeah. much it. You know. How was uh, your calculus on actually building a shelter? Because you know you got to build your fireplace in there. 
which you got to be careful it does because i've seen in other seasons people had to basically go home because their shelter caught on fire mm-hmm. uh, you you picked a hillside like what goes into that whole thing and how many days you wait in that whole thing it was a huge concern of mine <clears throat> burning my shelter down um I, I felt like it was a very real it, it seemed like a very me thing to do <laughs> you know? so, like, so a lot of design went into yeah. into me not doing that um and uh you know I, I didn't i hadn't decided on a shelter i thought i was going to keep my options open yeah you know and look for something that was a a good advantage i do think if i could do it again i'd have put a lot less work into it yeah i'd have built it just about the same way i mean the same concept but i think i would have just thrown stuff on and made like a giant i would have put as much effort as i did into my chimney and then the rest of it would have been like a beaver dam that i yeah. crawled into you yeah. know i didn't need the the space and the comfort and i and you know the artist in me just made it like you know cool like, yeah it's a very you grow up building forts as a kid like it's the same thing yeah it was like a second childhood the next the, the coolest thing was waking up and being like well i have three things i could do today i could go hunting i could go fishing or i could build a fort like and if you it's gonna be one of those contexts you know? of like back home that would sound like the best day ever absolutely and it was and that's why i had such a good time because like every day i was like man and i remember some of the like not you know not bad days but some of the days being like I really need to build the fort, but it mm-hmm. seems really grousy out or it seems mm-hmm. really fishy out right now. And it was mm-hmm. hard to not, you know, just pick up your bow or go down to the river and just get lost for, you know, a couple hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stunningly beautiful place too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you could, uh, you could spend an hour just looking at the moss and lichen and stuff that's going on. I mean, it felt very like, you know, far out and almost trippy to just look felt like you're walking another planet, you know. Yeah, I wish you could. For me, it was so foreign. I was going to ask if you'd ever go back to your uh, your 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 hut there to see it. Yeah, I would love to. I th- I'm pretty sure they tear them all down on this oh, season. I man. think there's only one season where they haven't torn them down, and that was at request of the of the people that lived there. They wanted yeah. to keep them up and, yeah, and you know check them out. But uh, but the shrooms. There were there were uh, we were cautioned about the there were psychedelic mushrooms that grew in that area. I think we were there a little after their normal fruiting time, but you know from a very real perspective of like, you know, mushrooms were a source of food for some of us. I found very few, but I did have some that were edible. Some people had quite a few, you know, we were cautioned about these mushrooms. And uh, I remember, you know, the, the, the producers got such a great sense of humor just saying, you know, don't eat, don't eat the psychedelic mushrooms. If you do eat the psychedelic mushrooms, please roll camera on that. Yeah, <laughs> like, we definitely want to see that. I want to see somebody um, tripping in I a think calorie half, deficit. Half joking, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, the crazy thing is out there there were there were a lot of moments where it felt like you were having an experience like that you know completely organically yeah um i don't dream a lot here at home out there crazy dreams all the time vivid. like uh, very vivid lucid dreams um one of the i had the only bad dream i had out there was a, a nightmare that was super bizarre you know how things can be funny in your dream state in my dream i was in my shelter in labrador on the show so it was very realistic yeah I go down to the beach to fish and this guy comes up in a canoe and I'm like, dude, you gotta get the fuck out of here. You're in my shot, you know, I'm feeling, and he's like shaking his head and he's like, no man, you, you're the guy from the news. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you're missing. He's like, you need to come with me and get in the boat. And I was like, no, I'm on a TV show. I'm going to win half a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I was like, production's camped right down the river. He's like, well, hop in the canoe and show me. And we get in the canoe, we go down there and it's just an abandoned camp. <laughs> And I look at my, I got this broken camcorder in my hand and this good dude's like, you've been out here for 40, 40 days and your family is looking for you. Like in my dream, I had lost, I woke up in a cold sweat. Like, 
And then I had this moment after I woke up where I was like, fuck, it could be real. And how the hell would I know? How would I, you like, know? I yeah. was like, you know? That's crazy. Yeah. I don't dream either. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like just imagining having a dream sounds trippy at this stage of my life. Yeah. But just being out there and not knowing which, which way is up and which way is down. Yeah, I, I had that thought. I also had the thought of, you know, in the global environment we live in, the thought of like, man, something could happen globally while I'm out here. That was what I was going to ask. What's the biggest news you missed? This is terrible, man. But I, the the thing that shocked me the most, I come back and I, I talk, I'm sitting down with my buddy and I'm having a beer and I'm like, so what's been going on while I've gone? And the first thing out of his mouth, he's like, well, Alec Baldwin shot somebody. Yeah, and dude, I was just that like, was the, oh, I'm like, you were that. fucking with me. You were making this shit up. And he's like, no, seriously, like that happened. Well, and think about so, <laughs> all the stuff you miss over that time period. Like all yeah. the things that are even just like, I don't know, sports stuff or whatever. I would just come out and be like, I go camping for two days. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and I'm not super plugged in, um, you know, as a as a person, just because it stresses me out. I mean, I like to be informed, but. You know, if they did a better job of reporting at yeah, least 50-50 yeah. positive with, content, yeah, I would I would tune in more. I'm but you. I get to the point where I just I turn it on and I yeah. turn it right off because it just I don't. It's hard care. in this line of work. It's one of the toughest strains on you. Is feeling like you have to keep up with the 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 tidal wave of information that sure. everybody's addicted to. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why people you know gravitate so much to following sports, right? Because yeah. like. It, there's more positive news like yeah. every now and then your team's gonna lose and it's gonna suck or whatever but yeah. like for the most part i'm with you you're getting like I'm with you that's why we like to have fun here and shit. yeah so when you got out one of the one of the things i asked um jordan um when we interviewed him um was what the refeeding process was like or like the like you can't just run and get a a hundred cinnabons or you can't like fucking eat a bunch of donuts and a steak and like, is there a process? Yeah, you're definitely not allowed to just go back into eating. There's there's the possibility, depending on what your condition is, that you can really hurt yourself. You, you can have massive organ failure from things like electrolytes and salt. Yeah. You know, like they were really concerned about managing our salt intake because it can do things to your heart, make your heart retain fluid and stuff if you're deficient in those things. And um, I really struggled with that because I felt like I had a very different experience than a lot of people on alone. I was, um, I had lost weight to the point that I needed to probably be pulled soon if I hadn't been injured, but I was never starving. I never missed a meal. Like right. I took 47, 47 animals in 43 days. And, uh, and you know, I was eating, I felt full. I don't ever remember feeling empty. I wasn't getting the nutritional needs right. met but I was consuming a lot of food. So I didn't feel like I was at risk of having that issue of like my, my stomach not having the asses to handle anything or just like, you know, I knew I had to be careful with certain things. I'm like, okay, I get it. I can't have a, a burger and a beer, but like I could have like a bowl of, a big bowl of rice or right. something or like, right. you know, something. Right, something easy on you. Mm -hmm. 44 pounds, but you're not hungry? Or are you? No, dude, not hungry at all, never. Oh. I mean, I was eating a lot. So is there a zone in hunger like, and this might be a dumb question, but I've never gone 10 days without food or something like where you get over the hump and then it's like, okay, I don't need food anymore. And then you get really hungry when you're starving. It's, I guess I should clarify um, when you, 
you can feel you can feel hungry like you're deficient like you need energy the same way that it feels to be dehydrated like you know you need water yeah or you know you need fat like i had cravings and hungers for things i wasn't getting but as far as that empty feeling in your stomach yeah you know what's really weird is it food when you're that deficient hits you like a drug like it hits like an iv like you like i remember like especially the fish and the and the the rabbit that i got you know that was, a, um, that was clutch having that fat content and uh -huh. like i'm not a big fan of organ meat but you eat everything out there and uh very quickly you become a fan of it because you know it's got those things in it that the second you eat them you just feel it like sweep over your body like i needed that like that you like feel the pill. energy and it's really bizarre because you know not to be too far out and hippie about it it's literally a life transfer you start thinking about it that yeah. way you're like i shot this grouse i ate it it's dead mm -hmm. i feel more alive like mm -hmm. it's it's weird to yeah. sort of cycle it that way but that's it's good because it makes you more connected to your food yeah. that way yeah but um but yeah it, there's just not a for me i didn't have the empty feeling now uh, i went through the refeeding process it was a very low amount of calories and they up it gradually and they're right. very careful about what what they give you and uh what they do not the part i'm not sure they're gonna <laughs> want me to mention is um after some point they're monitoring your condition after you come out because right. they they have a responsibility to make sure that you're good to go when you yeah. go back into society and um so then they came and they were concerned about my condition because they weigh they weigh you and they take your vitals and i guess mine were all whacked out not where they thought i should have been so they wanted to get me looked at for some you know medevac me out right to mccovic and get me looked at or something um but <laughs> i kept hunting and fishing after they after they pulled after i after i left in the camp i was camped down oh, by really? the river yeah. and I, I killed a snowshoe hare there and i caught about six trout and i killed a couple squirrels and i was eating those in my i was still like feral mode you know because they were give, they bring me like a, a half piece of toast and a hard-boiled egg and then they'd leave me alone for a couple hours down by yeah. the river and had all my shit you know so That's i like a little shot went there. out like went out and like smoked a rabbit and like you know <laughs> ate that and so the doc's like man you know you gained six pounds in the last couple yeah. days yeah. and like because i was getting what they were giving me yeah. and what I, whatever i could get still and they were like they eventually were like stop doing that you're messing <laughs> you're messing up the whole program like we That's thought you were in good. trouble like you're and so yeah i had to i had to comply and they, they take good care of you the thing is when you come out you just you've been surviving on your own. So like somebody's coming to you and they, they know what's good for you. And they're like, you need to do this. I'm like, I don't need to listen yeah, to you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, learning like, this stubborn yeah. like old guy. Oh, the first meal I got was so small. I looked at it, I was almost like, man, put me back in the yeah, woods. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? Well, the game, as you said, you said you, you killed like 40 some animals. Yeah. Like um, that's, uh, that's a lot for, you know, a season of alone. Like, I feel like there was a lot of game on this season. Between me and Adam Riley, I think we, we may have killed more, more stuff than, 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 uh, most of the seasons combined we were fortunate in the environment the arena had a lot of game um small game that was you know yeah. like uh, i killed a, a pile of squirrels killed a lot of grouse and then the trout were plentiful until until the river sort of shifted and then you know there was the odd rabbit and, and that whiskey jack that i killed but so um, best and worst tasting is the worst the whiskey jack man that thing was gross even when you're starving that thing was gross really yeah i mean i i don't know if it, i've never eaten a, like a corvid like a, in the crow family before i probably never will again yeah like it just was it wasn't much and what was there was just not good tastes like what oh, i can't exp like like almost like um 
it was really dry and it was really tough, but the flavor was like off. Like, like it, it was fresh, but it, it tasted like, you know, turkey. You take a bite out of turkey, it's gone south or do something. Do you like goat? Yeah, I do. I love goat. Experience. I like goat. Yeah. yeah. Cause we'll go out to like a Maasai mm -hmm. tribe for like a, like a water project. Sure. And they're like, we want to celebrate. And we're like looking at this goat that's been sitting out in the sun. And you know, like some people are like a little skittish about it. I just wonder like if there's something you can compare it to because gamey is kind of gamey, I guess, but. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like, um, you know, um, meat that's been tainted by, by gut matter. Like if you kill a deer or right, something and maybe right. you don't realize like a little yeah. bit of that got on the meat. Off. And you know, you, then you, you know, later you go to take that meat out of the freezer or whatever, you notice the discoloration or you taste a bite of it. The rest of it's good, but the, it's very acidic and like just, yeah. just hard tasting that we had a whiskey jack. Actually, you know, got to the point where I was like, man, if one of those things lands right in front of me, I'm not, I'm just not going to do well, it. One was there the day you tapped, you were yeah. like, look at this. <laughs> that thing was, that thing was hilarious. I started trying to catch that thing almost out of like, as a game, you know, yeah. I was going to eat it if I got it, yeah. you know, even though that I had said I wasn't, it got yeah. to the point where I, I totally would. Yeah. And that thing, that thing was, it was smart, man. It was funny. I'd already, I shot his tail feathers off with my bow. The arrow went yeah. right underneath it. That's how I knew it was the same one. It was missing like three or four feathers out of its fan yeah. on its tail. And uh, yeah, that thing totally kicked my ass. It was, it was kind of, but I was rooting for it too, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the best tasting thing, I mean, the best meal I had was the rabbit because of the amount of, and I, and I killed two grouse that day. So that was my most plentiful day. I had two grouse and a rabbit. Um, and, uh, but the, I think the grouse tasted the best to me and the rabbit was the most fulfilling meal. Cause I, I like, I'm big into food. I'm big into wild game. I like to do really extravagant things with my wild game. Yeah. Like I'm not just like a, like a jerky it or, you know, yeah. burger it sort of guy. And, uh, that grouse, the first grouse I killed, I mean, I plated it, I garnished it. Like yeah. I cooked it with herbs and stuffed it with all the stuff that it eats. And I made a big show of it. Um, they didn't end up showing it, but, uh, you know, that's, I would raise those birds. Like I would, if I can get them, I'd raise them yeah. like, and, and butcher them. They, they look good. They're delicious. They tasted like somewhere closer to like duck, like darker meat, yeah. you know, yeah. richer. And people always use the word gamey to, to be negative, but I, I mean, I really like that you sort like of flavor. Yeah, taste. man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it tastes like something that lived, you know? Yeah, you, you can kind of taste where it's been hanging out. That's right. That's right. Uh, which is, it's good. You know where like it's been hanging meat, out. You know? What does mm -hmm. a beaver taste like, if I could ask that? Beaver's actually really good. You okay. know, one of the things about about two contestants getting, you know, supposedly getting sick off of the beaver, I mean, they don't really know. Good chance with Benji it was the beaver, but it could have been anything been under there. his fingernails or yeah. something, you know? Um, beavers sustain people for a long time. It is not a dangerous animal to yeah. eat. There's not like, you know, yeah. that it's, it's definitely, it's good. The tail it's too. Yeah. It's fatty. It's fatty, but it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's similar to bear meat. All right. So Tom Garstang, where's what's, what's happening next. And if you had like an opportunity to tackle any, any different kind of challenge on a loan, like, you know, they're all like different climates and areas of the world. Is there one that you like could wave a magic wand and say, Hey, I'd like to tackle that terrain. Yeah, man. I mean, one one of the things I'm most excited about is I'm actually going back to uh, New Newfoundland um, here in a month. It'll be about the same time that I was up there. I'm going up there with Adam Riley and uh, to visit Maddie Maddie Clark from Scout Outdoors, and uh, 
we're just going to go bum around in the woods a little bit and do stuff, some stuff on That's our own awesome. time, you know? Yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, it's not quite the same area we were in, but similar country. And I, I want to go check that out. So, you know, I plan to go out um, and see Benji in the springtime, maybe do yeah. a hunt with him out yeah. there. I, I mean, everybody that was on the show, you know, I have plans to visit and, you know, Temujin will be here um, within a couple of weeks. He's oh, really? come down and visit, yeah. That's tight. Um, yeah. So, you know, just catching up with all those people and seeing what they do is gonna be yeah. cool enough. But um, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing myself into my work here. I do plan on continuing to create content um, in, in this sort of arena. And then if, I, if I'm fortunate enough to go back, I mean, if they called me, I'd be there in a heartbeat yeah. for sure, no matter what the challenge was, just yeah. because it's so cool to play, to be able to play at that level with that type of safety net too. Like I was right. telling my mom, you know, she was like, mom's always supportive of everything I do. And she does, she tries not to let me know she worries too much, but yeah. she does. Yeah. And I was like, mom, this is probably safer than some of the shit I do back home. Yeah. Because I don't have a sat phone when I go in the woods and bow hunt in National Forest, you know? And I don't have oh. a medic team that's going to come crashing in if I hit a button. Like, yeah. it's like sometimes people don't even know where I am. Yeah, sometimes you know? I'm doing stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. Is like, this exactly. Is like I was like, this is unprepared. So I would totally go again. I'd love to yeah. go somewhere else. I mean, they, they, you know, they film a lot in Canada, and part of that is because Canada does such a good job of taking care of its public lands. Oh, got it. You know, yeah. it's. I, I mentioned before that it's a shame they can't film more of that in America. Like, shame on us for not having the yeah. the space to. I mean, I'm not trying to down anybody. I'm just saying that that you know truth. we, I mean, yeah. you know, to find a place, it should be easy to find a place. To to mm -hmm. film a show like this, yeah. but you just can't do it with the, pe the the population densities and the amount of land that we have and the restrictions. Um, but like the episode in Mongolia, I mean, yeah, Mongolia and the episode in Patagonia, like mm -hmm. Patagonia, those ones, man, I yeah. was like, God, I'd love to go. Yeah. I'd love to go to that part of the oh, world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they ask me back, I'll definitely go I, and I will gain some, somehow I will gain some weight. I'll quit my job if I have to, like I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll lock myself we in can my help house. You. Yeah, man. Yeah. Come over here. We'll smoke up the studio. <laughs> yeah. and we got Definitely. lots of snacks. Definitely. All right. So make sure you come back. And if you're doing content, where can people find that content? Yeah. So uh, currently, I'm I'm on Instagram at Appalachia Outdoors. That's like a Chuck Chuck Appalachia. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you can, you can Google my Google my name too as well, and you'll find I'm I'm launching a YouTube channel. I had one up. I pulled everything down because after the show, like I just thought it was, I, some of the stuff was 10 years old and I was like, man, I need to yeah, revamp update, this. Yeah. So I'm in the process of, of, of getting that updated. Uh, the first episode will be filmed up in Newfoundland here in a yeah. couple of couple of weeks. And then, uh, yeah, I hope to appear, you know, on some of these other folks' social media channels and what they're doing. I think collaborating, you know, with other loners and our plans to maybe go see, see Jordan and, and check out Callie Russell out there yeah. too. So, um, you know that that's that's where to find me yeah that's cool man well we appreciate the time we love the show alone and uh that's a big victory 44 days up in labrador man that's badass so congratulations thanks man yeah 43 it, 44 yeah, whatever yeah, 43 yeah, 43 i can't take I it you know i didn't get a local guy man <laughs> yeah i appreciate it man yeah i, I it was, it was a, a dream come true for sure well, good deal man this is awesome so thank you I'm